Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us, as he does each and every single Monday, our good friend Chris Doring of SEC Network helps us break down all of the action from week two, as well as look ahead to a packed week three slate. Chris, what's going on, my friend? Appreciate you taking the time. How are you? Yeah, no, it's good to be with you, man. It's uh, I'm hoping here as we get into the SEC schedule starting uh, week three, things calm down a little bit, but lots of games to cover here this past weekend, man. Yeah, Chris, like you mentioned, really kind of closing out. I know for some teams, the non-conference slates continue, but as we get into SEC play, for many teams out there, the final tune-ups, if you will, Chris, let me ask you this, because the SEC, let's call it for what it is, has had a rocky first two weekends, right? When you look at the record against the ACC teams, and even in these quote-unquote cupcake games, Chris, there's been a lot of teams that have just struggled or not looked yeah. straight out of the gate or whatever. And I know, you know, I, I don't put a lot of stock in it because there's a lot of watered down game plans and a lot of coaches keeping things tight to the vest. And a lot of teams, let's call it for what it is, Chris, like they see the schedule and they're like, they're not getting quite as hype and excited to play those yeah. games. But do you look at that or are there some teams in the SEC or the SEC as a whole, do you have concern about what you're seeing? Or do you think it's because of maybe something like, the transfer portal has just brought that much pair to the sport or, or something else you're seeing over the first couple of yeah. weeks? Well, two separate scenarios we're talking about here. I don't put a lot of stock in the FCS games or even the, some of the group of five games. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. I can tell you as a player, you know, especially as you, you get past the first week of the season and you're having to play FCS opponents, it just doesn't get your blood going the same way. So you can say what you want about being a competitor and, and going out there and handling your business, but there's an emotional part to playing football. Um, so on, on the other part of your question, though, as it relates to playing other Power Five conferences, this has been as disappointing a first couple weeks of the season as I could ever remember for the SEC. And uh, we're not talking about you know, mid-level teams. We're talking about the highest profile teams in this conference going out and getting beaten by opponents that we in recent years would have never even imagined could have been possible. You talked about the record against the ACC. I think, what is it, one and four, I think, so far through two weeks. Um, just, I, I get the best, maybe best win of the first couple weekends is a win over a group of five team, a ranked group of five team, which, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin called an SEC-style opponent, and I wouldn't argue with that, but it is definitely concerning. And I think the reasons are kind of what you mentioned. Uh, NIL has evened things out a little bit. The immediate uh, eligibility through the transfer portal has evened things out a little bit. I think you know, as you talk about Alabama, Georgia's success siphoning off some of the top talent has taken away from from what Alabama typically has done. Texas A&M taking some of the top talent. Teams just don't have the multiple levels of talent that they used to. And so it's, you know, if you miss on a guy developing here or there, or you have injuries, it's going to cost you. And so I, it's great. I mean, we're, we're watching the NFL 
occur at the college level now with parity and salary cap and everything else, the way that it's created such an even playing field at the National Football League level. Chris, let's jump straight to the big one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Saturday night. Texas rolls into T-Town, and they take down Nick Saban 34 to 24. You look at that ball game, Jalen Milrow, a couple of costly interceptions. A really fun back-and-forth ball game, by the way. I mean, there were some things <clears throat> in that game that sort of happened beyond comprehension. My mind goes immediately to the fourth down where Texas fumbles. They somehow yeah. pick it up, get the first. Alabama struggling in different facets, especially, I thought, Chris, defensively, where their defensive line was not able to force a single sack in that ball game. And Quinn Ewers made him pay 24-38, 349, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he was fantastic. You look at that ball game. What's your thoughts on Alabama? Is there a quarterback controversy there? You know, it's one of those things where I said the same thing about LSU, Chris. I'll say this about Bama. I don't think it's going to define them. I think all their goals are still out there, but for a group that was already, you know, being picked to fall off, or is this the end of the dynasty for Nick yeah. Saban to have Texas come in, do what they did? It obviously doesn't help to change that narrative. Your thoughts on the classic that was that Texas and Bama game Saturday night. Yeah. Great ball game, obviously lived up to the hype and uh, it was back and forth, highly entertaining, but I'll go back to my thoughts in the, in the preseason. I picked Alabama to go nine and three, finish second or maybe even third in the SEC West um, because I had concerns about the offensive line and the wide receiver position outside of just the quarterback spot. We were all a little fooled by what we saw against middle Tennessee, I think, but um, at the end of the day, some of those problems still exist. And you talked about Alabama's defensive line, not being able to get pressure on, on Quinn Ewers. The offensive line was beaten soundly as well. I mean, when was the last time we can talk about an Alabama team getting beaten on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball the way that they were? Say what you want about Jalen Milrow. He did make a couple of costly turnovers, but he was under duress the entire night. I mean, it, there was never a chance where he was able to just calmly take his steps and set his feet and throw. Um, if not for his athletic ability, he probably would have been sacked 10 times himself. So, you know, I, I, anybody blaming him, you need to look a little deeper at the rest of what went on. I'll say this, though, Chris. The surprising part for me is that the days of Alabama having better talent than the other teams in the, in the country is over with. You know, I look at the matchups. Texas's wide receivers soundly beat the secondary of, of Alabama. Lines of scrimmage, we already talked about that. Uh, you look at the quarterbacks. I know they don't play against each other, but head-to-head, -head, Quinn Ewers outdueled um, what, what Milrow was able to do. There was not a, a, a position as we go down the tail of the tape, and that includes coaching, that I would have put the check in the column of the Alabama Crimson Tide, which is surprising to say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We move to Texas A&M, Chris, a, a team that, you know what, I did it again. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I took the Aggies to cover four. I think most folks were picking Texas A&M to go into Coral Gables, get the W, and they fall to Miami, and this is another disappointing SEC result, 48-33 to the final in that one. Tyler Van Dyke was incredible, five touchdown passes. Connor Wegman throws a couple of picks. Uh, A&M, you talk about a team getting beat on the line of scrimmage. They could not run the football in this game. How disappointing is this for Texas A&M? Because I, I felt like, Chris, while the whole season's in front of them, this kind of felt like the early season test of if A&M is going to pop off and have that big year they've been waiting for. Under Jimbo Fisher, like, this was the game. And Chris, a stat that I just I can't get out of my head right now that stood out to me earlier. Texas A&M is one and seven in their last eight games against Power Five opponents. I mean, wow. I know the buyout is what it is, but depending on the price of oil at Thanksgiving, <laughs> Texas A&M. And if they're sitting there at six and five, God forbid, worse than that, it might be over in College Station. Is it too early to? Am I overreacting too early to that? Well, it's early to to be talking about buyouts, I think, at this point. But I'm with you in that I am mad at myself. The old uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, I've been fooled again. I, I wasn't being fooled early in the offseason. And then I, like you, started drinking the Kool-Aid of all the returning starters and the Bobby Petrino effect and the sense of urgency. And then what we saw on, on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, take everything I just said about Alabama – and insert Texas A&M there because Texas A&M was beaten in every single matchup they played. The, the, the secondary for, for Texas A&M was absolutely embarrassing. They, they, should, be, they should go to class on, on, on Monday and Tuesday this week and just wear a bag over their head because it was embarrassing the way that they went about playing in man coverage. It was embarrassing the tackling after the catch. It was embarrassing uh, just with the overall assignments of that entire defense. They need to go back and simplify because I know they got some talent on that side of the ball, but they look like they have no idea what they're they're doing out there. They're they're afraid. They're tentative. You know, they don't play their technique, uh, and that's just the defensive side. I mean, offensively, I bought into this passing attack against uh, New Mexico and the you know, receivers and everything else. You know, it, it, the offense was staked to a 15-yard drive and a nine-yard drive because of some special teams errors and. After that, it just became a turnover fest and, and you know, looking more like last year. But, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed because I thought the Texas A&M was going to be different this year. And then watching that game, uh, they got much deeper problems than I would have ever even imagined uh, a week ago. Chris, a game that sort of flew under the radar, Ole Miss and Tulane. The Rebels outscore the Green Wave in the second half, 27-3. to A gutsy win on the road, right? Low-key, tough place to play, Tulane high-quality opponent. What did you take away from Lane Kiffin's squad going to New Orleans and, and getting a top 25 victory, by the way, to Lane yeah. sitting at 24th at the time? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I never would have imagined uh, that that uh, 
they would have had to come from behind against the Michael Prattless uh, Tulane squad. But uh, backup quarterback played well in that one. Uh, found themselves down double digits at one point in time in that in the half. Uh, after that first drive, they were getting owned on the line of scrimmage. I mean, there was very little that that uh, Ole Miss's offense was able to do because of of the way that that the uh, Tulane defense was playing them on the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, I love the resiliency. And Jackson Dart talked about it after the game. Hey, we knew we were going to be tested. Sometimes those are the games you want, man, to, to see the kind of resiliency you have. And and I love Lane Kiffin for being the the gambler that he is, taking chances, made some some bold calls in the second half, going for it on a fourth down instead of trying to field goal. Um, you know, I, I I think that they are a very talented offense uh, with a lot of great pieces when they get things going. I think they're going to be as good offensively as their offensive line is able to to carry them. Um, but that was a that was a big win going in. You know, say what you want, it's a forty thousand seat stadium, but you know, that was a uh, a good environment against the as Lane Kiffin called them before the game, an SEC style team, and and uh, the marquee win so far of the SEC. Now, Chris, the best of the rest, like I mentioned, we had a lot of SEC teams taking on you know quote unquote lesser competition, but teams like Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri almost lost. Right, some of these teams. Really, really struggled. Of course, the Gamecocks and Gators, they bounced back in a big way, although South Carolina, they were down early to Furman 14-7 to yeah. seven in that one as well. And then the other two, the big Power 5 wins, Mississippi State takes down Arizona in overtime. I think a huge win for Zach Arnett with SEC play upcoming, LSU coming to town. And then Auburn, it was ugly. Listen, it was very ugly. A, a, a defensive slugfest out on the West Coast, which we're not used to. But the fact of the matter is this. Hugh Freeze and Auburn, they are 2-0. and Samford awaits this weekend, probably going to be 3-0. and All of a sudden, you're building momentum, and don't let Hugh Freeze get hot. What else jumped out to you specifically? Did anything stand out from week two of SEC play? Well, let's start with the teams that lost. You, you mentioned uh, Florida, South Carolina, LSU, all bounced back against uh, inferior opponents, but it wasn't really about that as much as it was what I wanted to see you know, how much life they had, you know, in Florida's case, could they execute? Could they just line up properly? Could they have the right jersey numbers on the field? They were uh, much better. Six and six in the red zone with six touchdowns. They uh, were able to run the football effectively, uh, didn't give up sacks. Uh, they were able to avoid the big penalties, only four for 20 yards. So I liked what Florida did and, and kind of cautiously optimistic about Tennessee coming to town with some of the struggles that they've had. Um, I, you know, if South Carolina gives up one sack, Spencer Rattler was outstanding. I just, both games this year, I've gained so much respect for him. And it's easy to go back to last year and say, wow, he was awesome against Tennessee and awesome against Clemson. But, you know, doing what he did last week against uh, North Carolina with all that pressure he faced and all the times he got sacked and coming back in this one and, you know, the team kind of starting slow at him, you know, carrying him to victory offensively was impressive to me. And then LSU obviously got it going against a, a, a scrambling team that, you know, was not up for the test. But they threw and caught better than they, they did against Florida State. So, yeah, good bounce back games for those guys. The Mississippi State-Arizona game was one of the weirdest games that I've ever seen. I don't even know how to really put it into words. Um, Arizona turns it over four times on their first four possessions. And yet, you know, the, the uh, Bulldogs are only able to get 14 points out of it. Somehow, the uh, the – the turnover margin is plus four and they still have to go to overtime to, to win that game, but they did what they needed to do. I have a lot of respect for Jaden Delora. I hadn't seen him up close to personal like that, but he was uh, definitely not afraid to keep slinging it and uh, brought his team back in that ball game. But thank God for the state of Mississippi, man, without them, we would really be in trouble. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Auburn, 
you know, it was more of a battle of ineptitude than anything else, but I give him credit for going out West and playing late, being able to, to find a way to win defensively. You know, they did a great job in that. They got real concerns about the, the quarterback situation with Peyton Thorne. Um, but all in all, man, I, I can't help but sound a little dejected here as I talk to you about the state of the conference. This is my ninth year with the SEC Network, and I've never experienced having to come on and, and kind of explain away some of the things that we're watching right now. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the GameTime app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. GameTime is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And Chris, as we look ahead to week three, I'll say this on a side note. If the SEC is dropping games, I know Mizzou has a big opportunity against Kansas State. I'm not sure I saw the line in that one, but K-State is ranked 15th right now. Uh, Bama goes to South Florida in one of the weirdest road trips you will ever see. Uh, Vandy, UNLV, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, BYU, Kentucky, Akron. So there's a couple of non-conference games there with the wins. Would be nice, but the losses would be a lot worse. We'll put yeah. it that way. It'd be a, a much more the black eye would get even worse, I'd say, with the SEC. My attention, though, Chris, again, as we turn the page to week three, goes directly to the swamp. Florida, Tennessee. Explain to me, with all due respect to Florida, how has it been 20 years since the balls have won there? Right? Like, because I, I heard that stat and I was like, I don't know if I just haven't been paying attention. Like, I know Tennessee yeah. was bad for a while, but Florida had some hiccups too. Like, 
is there like some hex on Tennessee? Do you like it? Talk about the mental advantage that Florida has in that game because I think they're they're picking yeah. on that a lot on Saturday. Yeah, I think there's a huge mental advantage when it comes to that. And, and the more people talk about it, the more it seeps into the head of players that weren't even alive in some cases in 2003. So um, I, I think part of it has to do, and you know, you've, you've been in the swamp before, right? I mean, it's a uh, it's an intimidating environment. It's no, it's noisy. You know, it's tough to communicate and, and things can get away from you quickly if you're not on top of it. Um, I think it's also one of those things that, you know, back in the day, Tennessee – always used to say, man, if we played you guys at the end of the year, we'd beat you. And unfortunately in 2001 with the 9-11 attacks, that game did get moved to the end of the season and, and they did in fact win there against Coach Berger. Um, but I, I think there's something to the fact of the training that goes on in the off season. September is brutal and not that it's not in Tennessee, but the, the heat and humidity in the, in the North Central Florida area, playing in the swamp below ground where there's very little wind and the humidity just eats you up down there. I think there's something to that as well. And um, you know, I, 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 I think it's going to be especially tough for Joe Milton. You know, I, I've, I've been a defender of Joe Milton's in the off season and, and I've seen kind of mixed results so far through two weeks. But the thing that, that has been missing, Chris, is that where's the deep ball? Where's the big explosive passing plays? I think they only have four plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game in the first two games of the season. Now, I know they've tried to run the ball a little bit, but what, what they scored 10 points in the first half of that ball game on, on Saturday against Austin P. So I'm worried about Tennessee's ability to do what they did so well last year. And that's hit those big backbreaking pass plays that they, they were able to hit. So I love that Florida as a Florida guy, I love that they catch Tennessee. Now Joe Milton, this will be the toughest environment that he's you know, stepped into as a starting quarterback on the road. Uh, I think Austin Armstrong, you know, say what you want about the way that the, uh, the Utah game went, but outside of that long, you know, 70 yard touchdown on the first play, I thought the defense played pretty well. And uh, they, they showed some improvement last week against McNeese. And uh, I think that Austin Armstrong will have a big, a big plan ready for, for Joe Milton in that offense. Chris, I'm not sure if it's more so due to, you know, my impressions also of Florida's defense being stout. And also, like you mentioned, the, the strange somewhat struggles of Joe Milton. And I mean, they really just played around with Austin PA. It's six, three Austin PA mid to late second quarter. They finally got it going a little bit. And the second half they took care of business. But I mean, this game for Florida, do you feel like this would be kind of a, a signature win for Billy Napier? If he can get this one. Certainly would be. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, they let one get away and playing Utah with Cam rising in the lineup without their, their tough tight end in the lineup. Um, so this is a game that I think they could change the narrative pretty quickly. It was fun to watch. It seemed like a lot of fun in the swamp. It seemed like a lot of people were having a good time, but the, the attention gets more serious this week with the SEC slate starting. And obviously with Tennessee, one of Florida's biggest rivals on the schedule, um, coming into town. So if you're able to, to, to win this ball game, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of the program right now. I think it provides optimism, which is something this fan base uh, needs in a big way. But you know, one of the things I think that Coach Spurrier and Coach Meyer did really, really well, besides winning national championships, was winning against the rivals. And those are the games you got to have. I mean, you know, Michigan finally breaking through and, and beating Ohio State the last two years. That's done a lot for Jimbo, or excuse me, uh, Jim Harbaugh and, and that Michigan program. You got to find a way to beat your rivals. And I think, you know, getting a, an opportunity to beat Tennessee would, uh, would help Billy Napier's cause significantly. 
Chris, we take it to Athens, Georgia. Gamecocks go between the hedges as nearly four touchdown underdogs in this one. You mentioned Spencer Rattler, though. Let's stick with that because, you you know, like you said, the play over the first two weeks, I mean, he goes 25 for 27 on Saturday night, over 300 yards. Again, a couple of touchdown passes, really in control in South Carolina, Chris. I mean, they struggled to run the ball again. 2.8 yards per carry. They did protect him much better, and I thought you saw South Carolina change some things up in the offensive line and get some better results. Xavier Leggett, also his favorite target. He leads all Power 5 receivers in receiving yards. Just talk about, Chris, the value of having, you know, you were a wide receiver, the value of having a supremely confident quarterback. I know those Florida teams you were on, you guys were underdogs to many, but it feels like when, you know, you can have all kinds of deficiencies or problems and things you have to overcome. But when you've got the guy at QB1 that is your leader vocally and in the locker room and on yeah. the field and, you know, he's playing his best, it, it gives the football team just a different level of confidence to go out and play their very best. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good point. Uh, yeah, I played for the Steelers and uh, Antoine Randallel was our, our, our punt returner, kickoff returner. And I remember the feeling of going out there, uh, being on the punt return team, knowing that at any moment he could break one for a touchdown. So it made you block a little harder. It made you block a little longer. It made you you believe that every time you were forced on a punt, it was going to go back the other way for a, a touchdown. <laughs> and I think that's the same thing you, you talk about with a quarterback. Like, you know, playing with Danny Warfel, uh, there was never any doubt that he was going to get us into the right play, that he was going to throw to the, the right place on the field based upon what the defenses were doing and that ball was going to be on time and on target. And um, I think it definitely makes the offensive line block more. Uh, I think it makes the, the receivers all run their routes and, and make sure that they're live and get their head around. Um, so I, I, I think there's something to that. Now, the problem is, is that if you can't block up front, and this is my fear of this week, that you negate all that goodwill. You know, when your quarterback's getting hit time and time again, at some point in time, he's going to get shell-shocked. And this is another level of, of defensive front that Georgia – brings in into this game uh, above where North Carolina was no disrespect to Chiz's defense, but this is, these are, these are next level dudes. And um, the problem, you know, you talked about uh, Xavier Leggett. I love the guy, but, but who's going to take some of the pressure off of him? Like, I don't know the status of juice. Wells. maybe you know that a little bit better than I do, but the teams that I played on at Florida, we went five deep. It, my senior year, it was me, Travis McGriff, uh, Jack West Green, Ike Hillier, Riedel Anthony. I mean, you, you couldn't, it was pick your poison. And I don't see that there's a lot of those guys that are able to take the pressure off of Xavier Leggett right now. I'd love to have Juice back there because I think it'd be a potent one-two combo. But, um, you know, just having him out there is one thing. Having him healthy is another. So uh, I, I do think there are some things to be optimistic about, but it all comes back to your ability to protect up front. Chris, to your point, the status of Juice Wells will go a long way in this one. It's been one of those things where the gamesmanship, if that's what you want to call it, from Shane Beamer, he's good to go. He's out there but he's not really out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's just the decoy, the window dress, yeah. what have you. Zeroing in, Chris, specifically on Georgia, you know, back-to-back blowout wins or lesser competition, but back-to-back slow starts for Georgia, specifically offensively. Is that something that when you look at them concerns you at all with Carson Beck, Mike Bobo, and sort of this, this retooled offense, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – this schedule is perfect for this team that, that uh, Georgia has this year with the new starting quarterback, Carson Beck, taking over with the injuries, Lad McConkey on the, the sideline the last two weeks, 
the running back position banged up like it is. I mean, you had Dylan Bell, a wide receiver, you know, playing running back. Some ended up scoring a touchdown with some pretty running back looking moves that he was able to, uh, to get himself into the end zone with. But um, yeah, I, 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 it's funny, man. You know, I was thinking about this at dinner. I'm sitting there by myself thinking about, you know, the days of Alabama kind of just dominating the conference and, and how, you know, Georgia's kind of taken over the the, the mantle of the, the best team in the league. But even Georgia, to me, I don't know if they're infallible. Like, I, 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 they haven't seen – they haven't played anybody yet. But I, I don't know that they have the same dominance, or at least right now the feeling of the same dominance that they've had the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, I don't – I no disrespect, I don't think South Carolina's in a position right now where they can go toe-to-toe with them yet. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia lose one or maybe even two games this year. I just think there's so much parity in this conference, so much parity nationally that it's it's uh, it's tough to go undefeated. And, um, you know, there's a lot of questions about this Georgia team and certainly, you know, their focus. Brett, Brock Bowers comes out every week. That dude plays hard as hell. Only had one catch for three yards in the, in the game on Saturday. But um, I think you're seeing some other guys get an opportunity. Uh, Makai Muse has been a great story in the first couple of games of the season. Um, you saw Oscar Delt make a big play. Uh, so I, I think it's been good for Georgia to find some other guys that they can count on and uh, try to develop a little rhythm with a new quarterback. But I'm, I'm still not 100% committed or convinced that they're, you know, what we've seen the last two seasons. Chris, a tall task awaits South Carolina, to say the least, on Saturday between the hedges. I'll ask you this. What would have to happen for the Gamecocks to shock the college football world? You might recall back in 2019, they were in somewhat of a similar position. By the way, with Alabama's loss, Georgia now holds the nation's longest home game winning streak. Their last loss was indeed that 19-game to South Carolina. But, I mean, in your mind, what would, let's just say, have to happen for South Carolina, us to look up, start of the fourth quarter, and say this is a one-score game? You remember that that game. I mean, that, that Will Muschamp defense got after the quarterback that day. I mean, it was uh, pressure all day long. It was forcing bad throws. Uh, who was it? Israel Mukwamu, I think, had two yep. pick sixes. Uh, man, just a tremendous game. So I, I think it's going to have to come down to, to, to turnovers. Um, South Carolina is going to need to win the turnover margin by probably two or three, maybe a, a defensive or special team score, something that South Carolina has shown the propensity to do in the past. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to have to be able to, to play much better on the line of scrimmage. Um, you, you don't just line up and drive the ball typically down Georgia's throat. So you got to be able to, to hit some explosive plays and that requires maybe a little bit more time for the, the quarterback to take his steps and, and throw it. Um, but I, I really think it comes down to uh, the combination of, of creating turnovers, non-offensive scores, and explosive plays on offense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. LSU-Mississippi State, Chris, on the big-time SEC matchup, all-conference matchup, if you will, and that's the only other one on the slate, by the way. Uh, feels like somewhat of a trap spot for LSU, if we're being totally honest. Going on the road, start Vegas, a, a weird place. And, Chris, I said this over the summer that I, I expect – Weird things to happen with the ghost of the pirate, if you will, kind of mm-hmm. kind of looking down. But, you know, State's had some issues offensively, transitioning to this Kevin Barbe offensive scheme, if you will. What do you expect from that ball game? And do you think State could realistically pull the upset in that one? Yeah, I would agree with you that it, it, it would normally be a trap game, except LSU losing to FSU, I think, created a, a little different sense of urgency for them. I think it, it shined a light on some things that they – um, have had to go back to the drawing board with. I think, you know, it exposed some um, lack of physicality. And, and so I think that's probably something that they're, you know, intent on going in, knowing how different this offense is, the way that that um, they transitioned into being a little bit more of a pro-style run-oriented offense. I mean, uh, Will Rogers, what he ended up throwing, I think, 12 or 13 times in the game on Saturday. I mean, it was a wild, a weird game, to, to say the least. Um, but I, I, I do think, that um, it, it's going to come down to, to who can be the more physical team in this game. It's a little more of a, a throwback to the old days of, of SEC football. Um, I think the identity of, of Kevin Barbe's offense and Zach Arnett's team as a whole fits better in, in uh, Starkville than did what the air raid. It was kind of a gimmicky feeling situation. Um, but I think Mississippi State's, excuse me, always been a little more of a physical oriented program and um, LSU, I think needs to get back to that as well. So LSU has the better talent. And when you go tail of the tape across the board, but you're right. Starkville's a weird place to play. We lost there on a Thursday night game back in 1992 and uh, probably were the better team in that one. We've seen plenty of other teams that had the advantage and talent going there and lose as well. But I think it's um, something that certainly LSU knows that uh, uh, Mississippi state has their full attention because of it. Chris, to your point, the adjustment for Bulldogs fans is real and stark. Well, Will Rogers went 13 of 17 for 162, three touchdowns. Jarquavius Marks ran the football 24 times. I don't recall the last time they had a running back with 24 carries. It's just a new era for sure at Mississippi State. Chris Doring of SEC Network, fantastic stuff as always. Chris, one last thing before I get you out of here. Yeah. If you got to go on record right now, we've seen Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina – all struggle. Florida has their issues. Vandy lost on Saturday. My friend, who in the world is the second best team in the SEC East right now? Because it's, like, no it's almost like it's wide open and none of them want to take it. I have no idea, man. It's a great point. I, I was on the Kentucky uh, train um, in the offseason, but, you know, the the, um, uh, the what we saw on Saturday against Eastern Kentucky – uh, the uncertainty of the health of Liam Cohen uh, is certainly something that we're thinking about and, and uh, praying for him and his family. Uh, there's a lot going on there, man. I think, you know, you go back to, to maybe one of the they, – they, they dealt with a lot of issues in, in Lexington the last few years. And I think maybe one of the biggest things that, that they haven't been able to, to figure out is, you know, since the passing of John Schlarman, the great, great offensive line coach, they haven't really been able to duplicate the success up front on the the, the, the big blue wall that, that used to be there. So, um, 
I don't know if I can go with them. Certainly can't go with Florida. Can't go with Missouri after watching the way that they played middle on Saturday. Uh, South Carolina doesn't do it for me. Um, I get maybe, maybe, maybe Tennessee at this point, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose in Gainesville on Saturday. So I, I have no idea, Chris, that to answer your question, I am going to uh, refrain from going on record because I have no idea. Well, Chris, the good news is this. As SEC play begins, we're going to start to get some answers, and that truly is the fun part, my friend. Chris Doring of SEC Network joins us every single Monday. Chris, great stuff as always. Appreciate you taking the time. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me, man. Talk to you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.